0: Are you ready for God's word? Amen. Amen. Yes, second service, that's what I like. You are definitely ready for God's word. Today we're talking about the family. We're in our third message on the family. And the message, uh, the title of today's message is How to Win as a Family. How to win as a family. Come on, anybody want to win as a family? Or maybe you're here today, no, I want to lose. I definitely want to, teach me how to lose as a family. I've got too much winning going on, because all I do is win, win, win. Um, the truth of the matter is, it's hard to win as a family. And the reason it's hard to win as a family is because we have a foe. We have an enemy who puts his sights on stealing your inheritance. And what is your inheritance? You have been blessed by God. And the Bible says that you are His masterpieces. And He puts you in a family so that you can help establish His kingdom upon this earth. And as soon as the enemy realizes that there's promise in you, that means that you are Christians, that you have a purpose, that you wanna wanna expand God's kingdom, He's gonna come against you with all He has. He wants to destroy that. He wants to destroy that. And so today, I want you to know that God is for you. He is for you. Yes, you face a formidable enemy, a formidable foe, meaning you cannot put your head in the sand. You cannot get distracted. You cannot just walk down the road thinking everything's going to be perfect. No, you're going to face opposition, but greater is he who is within you than he who's in the world. And so you need to gird yourself up with that. I also want to speak to those who maybe come from a broken family. Brokenness is never good. But how many of you know that God specializes in taking broken pieces and making masterpieces out of them? Amen? Yes, He does. And so you may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I feel like this is hard for me to hear because as you speak to parents, it's hard because I'm a single parent or I've been through divorce. We have split custody. We have all these different things that have taken place. I wanna let you know that wasn't God's initial intention but he is still able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond whatever you could hope for, imagine, or dream. But you're gonna to have to have faith because the Bible says very clearly without faith you cannot please God. You cannot know God, you won't unlock his blessings. And so you're going to have to have the faith to walk it out even if it's tough. Even if you have to play double duty. But you know what? God will step in and be a father to the fatherless. He will help you where you need help. But you cannot allow the enemy to lie to you. He's going to tell you it's over with. It's done. It's not over until you're sitting before the King of Glory. Before you're standing before the King of Glory. Amen? So as long as you have breath, you will praise the Lord. You will direct it towards him. And I, I want to tell you something else. We have to be for the next generation. If you're here and you're under 30, you are a chosen generation. You are special, and I truly believe you will see the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. All you have to do is look around and see the signs that are being revealed. I also know this because of the enemy. He's shown us his hand. How many many of you know he always always overplays his hand? Every time. He shows you way more. How did he show us way more? He has attacked this generation with everything he has. With such a fury, it's clear to see there's something special about y'all. There's something really special about this generation who's young and on the earth. Amen? Amen? And so I want you to know I'm for you. And I want to remind you of what God said, that he was for the family and he is for his people. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 3 through 9, the Bible says, hear. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, listen. Listen to God's word. Hear what God is talking about. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. How many of you know that's a good way to start? To say, all we have to do is hear and obey. If I just do my part, how many of you know you can trust God to do his part? God will do his part. And he says, I will increase you. I'll make you fruitful. I will give you more. Come on, how many of us want increase? If your pay is here, don't you want it to increase? If your joy is here, don't you want it to increase? If your pay is, I mean, if your peace is here, don't you want it to increase? Whatever it is, increase is good. Amen? Unless you're talking about worry and stress and the things that the enemy wants to wrap you up in, but God wants to give you blessings. He says, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you, hear, Israel, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be, to be on your heart. What does it mean to be on your heart? He says impress them on your heart. Chisel them on your heart. Whatever you have to do, but make sure they get deep inside of you. What commands? Amen. Amen. The commands of God's goodness. God has all sorts of things that He asks of us. And so many times when we listen to that or we think of that, we think, well, Lord, you're just trying to kill my joy. You're just trying to keep me from having any fun. But what if He knows you better than you know yourself? What if He knows that what the enemy promises is only temporary fun, but in the end, it leads to destruction? In the end, it will wrap you up with so much guilt and shame and it will have you go down a path that's so dark that you won't know where you're at and how you got there. See, the Lord knows you. He knows you intimate and he, love, he loves you. And this is why he says, impress these commands that I give you on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them around your foreheads, put them on your door frames, put them on your gates, put them around your neck. Make sure you understand. But you want to know what's interesting? It's not long after this that they have to be reminded of this. Again, and Moses, before he dies, he has to remind them again. And then Joshua steps onto the scene. How many of you know who Joshua was? Joshua was Moses's protege, and he took over after Moses was dead. In fact, the book of Joshua starts this way Moses, my servant, is dead. The great man of faith, God is like, he's dead. Don't you want more celebration? Shouldn't he, like, make a bigger deal? No, because it wasn't Moses, it was God working through Moses. And watch what he says. Moses, my servant, is dead, but as I was with him, so I will be with you, Joshua. Can I tell you, that's your goal as a parent. When I'm gone, the same God that was in me and worked in me and through me and in spite of me is in you. So go ye therefore. Oh, come on. And he says this to Joshua. He says, I need you to be strong and courageous. Do not lean to the right or to the left. Stay on my path, obey my commands, and I will bless you. And everything I have promised you, I will fulfill in your life. And so Joshua begins to accomplish and accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. But by the end of his life, the people have forgotten again. Do you notice a pattern, how quickly we forget? And I know it's interesting because we are tempted to say, oh, I would never be like those rebellious people. Do you realize they're there to represent us? The human condition, the human nature. We all forget. So Joshua has to stand up before them and say, I need you to choose this day. Either the false gods and the God of this world or the true God. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay? Joshua dies, and the people forget. (laughs) How do we know they forget? Because by chapter 2 of Judges, the Bible says this, there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done. Judges 2.10. Judges 2.10. You said, well, what, what is Judges? How does that fit? Moses, Joshua, the judges, and then eventually the kings. And the judges are right after Joshua. They forget. Can I tell you something? If a generation forgets, it's not their fault. It's the people before them that didn't make sure they got it. Now, let me say that again. If your children forget or do not know, then we have to take responsibility and say, what part did we have to play in that? What part did we have to play in it? Now, it doesn't really matter whose fault it is. All that matters is we're going to be in a world of mess when God decides to step back and says, I'm going to let you figure it out on your own. So we need to understand something. You say, but pastor, then what am I supposed to do? You have to take God's word seriously. And God's word says, you will know wisdom by her children's children. And so when you see a man and you see me, you go, oh, pastor, you're a good person. Or I love your family. Don't give me the credit. Give my grandpa the credit. Give my grandpa the credit because he put in the good stuff and we're still following through, amen? Because that's our job, to make sure that our children know who their God is know what he values, fear him sincerely, and walk in his ways. Can you hear me? Because there is an attack on our families. Now, I didn't come today to give you a lot of um, great little funny illustrations. Sometimes I can be a little cute, a little bit. Today I came, I, I brought the fire. Because this is serious. We're in a serious predicament. All you have to do is look around. If you spend any time looking at social media, you'll know, man, we're messed up. People film the the most disgusting things. People film sad things. People getting beat up and no one helping. Despicable things taking place. You say, Pastor, but I've seen some good things. And every time you see some good things, you see faith in action. But every time you see bad things, it's people that have forgotten or do not understand, do not know. And so I want to remind you of some things that, that we need to know. Children are a blessing from the Lord. The Bible says in the book of, in the book of Psalms 127, verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Can I tell you, that is why the enemy wants to snuff out our children in the womb. Do you realize that the most unsafe place for minority children is not in the ghetto or in the barrio or in the, in the wards, it's in the womb. I told you last week that Planned Parenthood, they don't put Planned Parenthoods in the affluent neighborhoods. Where do they put them? Think about it. I'm from Houston, second ward, third ward. They put them in my neighborhood. The biggest abortion clinic is right there off the Gulf Freeway in my neighborhood, servicing the Hispanic and black community. That's what the founder set her sights on. She specifically said, I quoted that last week to you, that she wanted to use the Negro minister to help her with this diabolical plan. Why? And she said, and we need to be careful. They might catch on that we're trying to exterminate them. The Bible says that children are what? A blessing from the Lord. The reason I bring this up, remember I told you I brought the fire today. I'm bringing the truth today. The reason I'm saying this is because government is getting mixed up on this issue. The United Nations is getting mixed up on this issue. Too many entities are getting mixed up on this issue, but the church needs to be clear on this issue. Children are a blessing from God and they're your blessing. And the Bible says, the Bible says they're like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Let me ask you if you have no bullets in your gun, is your gun worth anything? If you have a bow but no arrows, is your bow worth anything? You need arrows. Now watch this. An arrow is just an arrow, unless that Bozeman takes it in his hand, or in her hand, puts it up to the string, and draws it back. Now I'm gonna tell you something. To draw that back requires strength, and it requires strength and discipline to be a good parent. I get that, I get that, but don't quit. Don't you quit. The stakes are too high because that arrow has all the what, potential if you would direct it in the right place, and it'll hit his mark if you work at it. And the enemy knows that every one of your children have such potential to hit their mark and to cause something great to happen for the kingdom. The enemy knows that. And this is why he says things like this. This past month was Pride Month. And the Bible, not the Bible, uh, the article that I was reading said this. A new White House video insisting that America's children collectively belong to the nation instead of to their parents has sparked fierce responses from Elon Musk and other conservatives such as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The video released this week featured... The White House lit up in rainbow colors as President Joe Biden intoned, these are our kids, these are our neighbors, not somebody else's kids, these are our kids. Our children are the kite strings that hold our national ambitions aloft. Biden continues, it matters a great deal how we treat everyone in this country. The LGBTQ Americans, especially children, We're loved, you're loved, you're heard, and this administration has your back. Elon Musk, the SpaceX chief and owner of Twitter, had a succinct but harsh response to the Biden administration's claims. In quotes, you are the government, they are not, in all caps, your kids. You are the government, they are not your kids. Governor DeSantis and presidential campaign hopeful, uh, uh, or presidential, yeah, hopeful, echoed Musk's response. They are not your kids. Can I tell you, we have to be careful with this because they are the most precious thing God gave you. And if you think for a minute the enemy doesn't want to take those kids, You need to wake up. So what does this mean? It means that we need to do the little things because little things add up to big things. The Bible says in the book of uh, Song of Solomon, catch the little foxes because they can kill a vineyard and a vineyard is your family. The vineyard is your family, your love. And so they get in and they gnaw at the roots and they'll start start to kill Everything that's precious, and so I'm going to list some things today. I'm going to go through about 13, and you might be tempted to say, "But these are so um, they're so obvious," and it's sometimes the most obvious things that we need to be reminded of. Amen. Now, watch this. Love them. The Bible says, "Love them." Can I tell you? It's harder to do than it sounds. Isn't that true? Love them with a biblical love. You say, but pastor, how do I know what love is? What is love? Right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what is love? I mean, well, I, you know, I thought love was love. No, love is not love. God is love. And God defines what love is. And so the closer you get to God, the more you can understand his love. And this is important because the younger generation needs to have a clear, clear understanding of what God says about love. Now watch what the Bible says. It says, love suffers long. It's patient and it's kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. I know you guys are thinking, man, you're hitting some of this stuff hard, but I just can't help but see that I've, I've seen too many Christians running around defending things that the Bible specifically speaks against. And I'm thinking to myself, who are your parents? No, read this clearly. It does not parade itself. And yet we've seen parade after parade after parade this past month. Parading itself saying love is love. But let's keep reading. It is not puffed up. In another version it says it's not proud. They call the parades pride. (laughs) I mean, think about it. Do you think God knew when he wrote down the definition what we'd be dealing with in the end times? Read it closely. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It does not provoke, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity. It does not rejoice in iniquity. It does not celebrate sin. But rejoices in truth... Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. God will not fail you. Love never fails. Why? Because it's rooted in God and his character. And God has some things to say about what's in and what's out. He created us. He defines the rules. And he has said, hey, there are some things that are out of bounds. Is that okay? It doesn't matter if it's okay, it's the way it is. There's some things that are out of bounds. So, So you say, but pastor, what does that have to do with me showing my kid love? Because if I don't show my children what's out of bounds, then they're liable to never understand that they're sinners. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is, and if they're headed the wrong direction, the most unloving thing I can do is just allow them to go to hell. That's the most unloving thing I can do. No, a good parent will say, Stop! You're heading off a cliff! But I don't like the way you made me feel. Who cares? Turn around! Turn around! Do you hear what I'm saying? See, because... Your number one goal in showing them love is to show them the Father's love. And the Father's love was expressed through Jesus Christ that came to a lost and dying world that needed salvation and gave His life so that we might be saved. And your job as a parent is to say, I was a sinner and you're a sinner. And unless you repent and believe, there are two conditions for salvation. Repent and Repent and, but what if they don't ever repent because they've never been taught? It's Repent and believe what? That Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, that he died in our stead. Why am I bringing this up? Because that's the most loving thing you can do is share the gospel with your kids. Pastor, I thought that was your job. No, my job is to prepare your heart and to equip you so that you share with your kids. I want every parent to know the gospel. Why do you think I present the gospel so many times and always use the stage? You're going in your own direction or you can go in Christ's direction. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We repent. You say, you know what brings me more joy when parents say, I led my child to the Lord. I say, praise God. There was a time when people used to bring their children to me and I go, no. No, I'm supposed to equip you. If you don't know how to lead your child to the Lord, let me lead you and then you lead them. Amen. Amen. And so so we have to be, I'm not going to even finish 13. (laughs) Show them affection. Let's get past the love part, right? Show them affection. Come on. Pastor, come on. Really? Do you realize Dr. Rob showed me this? And I always knew it was powerful, but I didn't know the extent to how powerful this was. There's something powerful about a father and mother's breath over their child. When you hold your child close enough that they can feel your breath, tell them you love them, you appreciate them, you're grateful for them. It makes their spirit come alive like, like great rainwater on a parched summer does to flowers and roses. They just start to bloom. And it reminds me of when Jesus was baptized and God spoke with his breath, this is my son in whom, am I, whom I'm well pleased in. And the breath of the Lord was the spirit of the living God came down as a dove, as a dove. When Jesus spoke life over his disciples in affection, told them that he loved them. Don't miss that. Amen. Number three, time. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. But pastor, you don't understand. We are so busy. All the more reason you should make it a priority to spend time with your family. Because your family knows how busy you are. And when you give them your time, you speak volumes. You basically say, in a world that's pulling at me from every angle, you're so important that I dedicate this time to you. Don't be in such a hurry that they don't hear you, that you don't hear them. We'll talk more about this as we go along because the rest of these deal with time as well. But how about family dinner? Is there anyone here that practices family dinner together at least once a week? Raise your hand if you practice. Okay, how many of you could work on that? Raise your hand if you could work on that. we We need to work that out. Can I tell you? Let me encourage you. There's something powerful about family dinner because it's dedicated time set aside where you can have the meaningful conversations that need to be had. We'll talk more about this as we go. When we talk about forgiveness, when we talk about encouraging one another, when we talk about helping each other, this is where they can ask for help. This is where they can bring up things and say, the whole family can and say, you hurt my feelings, or I don't understand why you did this, or I've been carrying this for too long. We need to talk about it. But this is also where you line them out and protect them against the world and the enemy. How many of you know that the enemy's greatest, listen to me very closely, his greatest weapon is deception. He's less likely to to deceive your children if you have dedicated time to talk to them, listen to them, and to line them out. I can't tell you how many times my children would bring something up at the family table and I would say, Let me know more about that. Where do you hear that? Or where's that coming from? What do you mean? And then my next question would be, what does God's word say about that? I'm not sure. I think it says this. I think it says, no, you're misquoting, but you're close. It says this. Now, does this match up with what you were told on television? Or what you were told with your friend group? Or what you're believing or want to believe? Does it match up? No. Who do you trust? The world or your God? Well, we trust our God, Dad. Then let's get that straight. Amen? Amen. And I can tell you, even when Raquel was at UT, we had these kind of talks. We had them so much at that time because she was being asked to write all sorts of things and uh, being taught some challenging things as well. And not only that, but family dinner brings you to a point where you can cooperate together. Now, you might be here today, and you might say, Dad, I mean, uh, Pastor, I'm a dad, but my kids are all gone. Where did they go? If they're still here on this earth, then you're still a dad, and you can still reach out to them. And you say, but they have their own family. Don't they need your help to be a good dad? Don't, couldn't you help them be a great mother? Couldn't you encourage them? The other day, I got a call from a father from Denver, Colorado, and he was checking on our church and asking questions for his family. It warmed my heart. It did. I called him back on my off day, and I said, I want to I meet this father's needs because this father cares about his, and his family's grown with children, but he cares enough to help guide them. Come on, dads. Can I get an amen? That's what you can do. How about vacation time? Well, I I forgot to talk about cooperating together. When you start cooking together, it does something. And something else that I'll tell you. My children know they can go anywhere they want, not anywhere they want, but they can do whatever they want until 5 o'clock on Sunday. 5 o'clock on Sunday, you better be at the house because family dinner time. Family dinner time. And then Evie starts helping me. Joshua makes the macaroni. He loves macaroni, so that's his deal now. And then... um. And then Raquel shows up late, but then she always shows up helping, helping, and, and, uh, and we have this amazing, we're going to change that testimony, right? We're going to change that testimony. But you eat together and you stay together, and how about vacation time, number six, or number five, vacation time? Can I tell you, vacation time is so important. If you think back to some of the fondest memories of your childhood, I promise you, some of them center around vacation. Now you might be here and you might be tempted to be, uh, to be discouraged and to say, Pastor, I don't have a lot of money to go on vacation. Do you realize my dad never had a lot of money to take us on vacation and yet we camped on the beach in an old raggedy tent and yet we loved it. We loved it. Till this day, I've learned to be on the beach and my, my wife and my kids are like, how do you love the beach so much? And you have sand and salt everywhere and you don't care because that reminds me of my fondest times. And so cover me in sand, cover me in salt. I love it because it's something beautiful. And, and you say, but pastor, but don't you want to take, your, take them the best place you can afford, but make it a priority to set the date. Make it a priority to save up. I can remember saying, we've got to save up for vacation. So anytime we go out to eat, no one orders any drinks. We get water. <laughs> you'd go out with the Peña family and you'd see water, 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 water. And we'd take whatever you save. What's five times three? That's 15 bucks, right? We'd put $15 in the vacation fund. And I can tell you some of our fondest memories are the humble places. Jason Siegel, one of our elders. How many of you know who Jason is? Jason had a beautiful daddy before he went to be with the Lord. And he had a little condo, little humble little condo in, at South Padre. And Jason goes, we'd like to offer it to you if it's okay. It's not anything, you know, he starts making excuses for it. I said, we'll take it. Some of our fondest memories are in that little place. And it was the kindness of somebody, but we made a point, say, Lord, make a way for us. I can remember, um, the, I, I'm trying to impress upon you that you don't have to have a lot of money to go on vacation. I can remember for years, there was a couple, they used to send us just $25, $50, and they'd put it in a card, and they'd go, thank you so much for being our pastor, sincerely. And then we'd go, we got a card from Sincerely. And all the kids would run around, and they, they already knew. They'd grab it, and they'd put their hands on it, and we'd pray a blessing over Sincerely's life. And then finally I said, i got to know who Sincerely is. They've blessed my heart so much. I mean, I would cry sometimes when, when we didn't have enough money to go on vacation, but we had been saving, saving, and that little bit that they gave us got us there. And I remember, because I keep all the cards you give me, and I have stacks of cards. And I said, I've seen this handwriting before. And I start looking through the cards, and I'm like, there it is. There it is from my first, one of the first years of being a pastor. Mike and Kathy Dietrich. I just got a card from Sincerely last month. And our kids know, oh, Dad, it's funny how God has increased us in We're not at the same place we were. But isn't that what he said? I will increase you. Amen. I will increase you. But listen to your children. Listen to your spouse. Listen to one another. That's what spending those special times together does. It gives you bandwidth, room, margin to listen. If you're always so pressed for time, it's hard to listen. But you want to take that time to listen. Because ultimately, you want to build good communication. What do you mean by good communication? That means you listen and you talk about things and you don't get frustrated. And so you really have to deal with your stress and anxiety because if you bring that to your children, then they're going to clam up and they're going to shut down. You want to have them be able to talk to you. And then sometimes you're going to be tempted to say, I don't care about this, but if they care about it, you care about it. Amen? There's been times where all I can think about is the church. I want to see the church grow. I want to see this. I want to see that. Why? Because God made men to get focused on something. But my kids come up and they're telling me about this little toy they bought or this little thing they're trying to do. Guess what? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his... I put it this way. What does it profit a pastor if he gains the whole town and loses his children? So listen, develop good communication. Answer hard questions. If you don't know the answer, let him know. I don't know, but let's find it. Discipline. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. My dad really believed this. (laughs) Now, let me share something with you. We're not talking about child abuse here. There is no excuse for that. You don't discipline your children out of anger. You don't discipline your children out of frustration anger. You discipline them out of love. And so my dad would tell me exactly why. He was gonna spank me. He goes, do you know why? I go, no, I don't know why. He says, you do know why. I told you not to do this and you did X, Y, and Z. You skipped school for a week in first grade and you took your kindergarten brother with you and you traveled all over San Antonio and when your aunt drove by, you jumped in the bushes. You know exactly why you're going to get your spanking. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I don't say that to my children. I say, no, it's going to hurt you. Because I always said, Dad, this does not hurt you. This hurts. This is my behind. But anyway, if if you strike him with a rod, if you spank him, don't use your hand. Never close your fist and never slap. My dad always spanked me from here to here. And the reason sometimes it was a little lower, that's because I was trying to, (laughs) I was trying to Jesse Owens it or something, I don't know, I was trying to run from him. And so if you strike with a rod, you will save his soul. Do you hear that? You will save his soul. See the truth is this, parents that don't discipline their children are expecting society to do it, and society will do it. It's called prison. It's called prison. And so, whoever spares the rod hates his son. Next, number nine, teach them God's word. Teach them God's word. Get in God's word and always ask, what does God's word say about that? This is the number one thing that I've learned when children are little, you pour in God's word. You tell them what God's word says. When they get in their teenage years, you ask them, What does God's word say? And then you teach them to apply God's word to their situation and their question. Because a lot of times, what's happening today in our world is people say, But I feel, but I think, but I, but I, who cares? I know I say that all the time, but I'm, we're living in such a selfish society. Who really cares what I think? What about what the creator says? What about the one who knows all things? What about the one who really matters that can bless your life? Come on, can I get an amen? Amen. And so we have to teach our children this because society is teaching them something else. Society is saying, well, what do you think? You can determine your own truth, my truth. What are your truth? There's just plain truth plain truth. Amen. Can I get an amen? I need us to understand this. I need us to understand this because there was a time, am I right? There was a time when no one spoke about my truth. Like, like truth is a personal thing. It's just true. And it's true for you and it's true for me and it's true for everybody. And God's word is true for everyone. So teach them God's truth and then teach them the fear of the Lord. I need you to understand this, guys. The fear of the Lord is so important. What is the fear of the Lord? It's to respect God. And this is important because so many times society doesn't fear and respect God. And so if you don't teach your children, if you don't, celebrate the fear of the Lord in your home, um, they're not going to get it somewhere else. So you say, but what do you mean the fear of the Lord? A true, humble respect and reverence for what he said. It's a value. Do you hear what I'm saying? They value it deep down in their heart. I don't want to disrespect God. I don't want to sin and carry on in light of the great gift that he gave me. So Paul says, you have been purchased at a price. It's priceless. Don't live in such a way that dishonors that. And you go, but how do you teach them that? One of the ways you teach them is not allowing them to live double-minded or duplicitous lives. What do I mean by that? Come on, can I can I just get get down to I'm so frustrated as a pastor seeing ch- our children walk away from the king. And one of the reasons they walk away from the king is because the parents have not shown them how awesome he is. He's not weak. And he's not just a good person. He is the king of all glory. He's the king of all glory. And I can remember my dad coming into my room and saying, you will not have that junk in my house. I tried to bring in some some bands back in the day, some rock bands, heavy metal bands, ACDs. You won't have that demonic stuff in my house. Metallica, you won't have that demonic stuff in my house. You won't have that demonic stuff in my house. Why? Because we serve an awesome God, a jealous God, a God that wants you to give him all that you have. You say, so what are you saying? You don't like sex? I don't like anything that goes against the goodness of our God. I'll give you an example. The other day, I told my son, it was just the other day, I said, hey, do you know this guy named Little Nudy or Nudy? He goes, no, you mean Little Uzi? I said, well, he's demonic too. (laughs) But I'm talking about Nudy, and he's being touted by President Barack Obama and Shaquille O'Neal and this and that. I went and looked at his lyrics, they're nasty, they're filthy, they're filthy. That's what I mean about a fear of the Lord. If you say you belong to the Most High God, then live it. Live it. Don't put that stuff in here and in here. Because what we need to understand is that you can't go and watch horror all every night. You can't go and watch murder every night. You can't go and listen to crud every day and then expect, expect to live on fire for the king. Doesn't work that way. And we need good, strong men of God to say, not in my house, in my Now, you say, but pastor, my kids are not perfect. But if they go off the rails, it's not good because I helped them. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? You say, oh, pastor, you're getting serious. The reason I'm getting serious is because Christ is about to return. And more importantly, what if before he returns? An accident takes place. I don't want on my watch my son or daughter to be in hell because I didn't do my part. And so I'm speaking truth to them. And I want them to honor the Lord. Yeah, they're having some trouble, but it's right now that my rules keep them because they haven't formed. They haven't, the, the cement in their faith hasn't fully formed yet. They haven't galvanized yet. That's why they're in my house, and I'm making sure they get to about the age of of early 20s when it starts to galvanize, and they need a good fatherly influence. Teach them the importance of prayer, and this is where we finish. Pray with them. Pray for them. You say, oh, what what do I mean by that? This is where we finish. Some of us have grandchildren that don't know the Lord. Some of you have children that don't know the Lord. I want you to gird yourself up in the faith of the living God. And the Bible says, if you ask, you shall receive. Don't ask a myth. Don't ask double-mindedly. Ask specifically for the salvation of your children. And say, Lord, I won't rest until you give me my children, God, saved and secure. I'm going to send them texts. I'm going to look for opportunities. I'm going to pray over them. And then I'm going to quote your word back to you, God. Your word says that we should pray in like manner. The Bible says that Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Consider, a friend of yours comes to you when you're in, in, at, at the middle of the night and you're completely asleep and he knocks on the door. You yell out to him, go away, I'm asleep. He says, that friend should keep knocking. And if he keeps knocking, you'll get up and you'll give him everything he wants. You open up your kitchen to him and say, just take what you want. <laughs> Am I right? That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. So, oh my children, I don't know if they're saved. What do you mean? How do you knock? You pray, you pray. That's what he's talking about. Pray without ceasing. Pray without Just pray your heart out. I'm not stopping until my children are saved, Lord. I want to see them saved, God. Screaming out to him. There's something super, super... It touches God's heart when his people come to him. Read the scripture. Say, Lord, every single parent that brought a child to you that needed healing was healed. God, I bring my child's soul to you. It needs healing. Heal them, Lord. How about this? Jesus said, suppose there's a widow and she goes to an unfair judge and that judge denies her and says, get away. I tell you this, that if she keeps going, keeps going back and keeps going back and keeps going back and keeps going back, she'll get what she wants. She'll get the justice she deserves. In like manner, pray. And your heavenly father is not an unjust judge. He is a good judge and he loves you and he's for you. And not a... can, you can you hear what I'm saying to you? I'm trying to light a fire under this church because Christ is returning soon, and the most important thing you have is the family he gave you. Make sure they're ready, in Jesus' name. I love you, church. As I pray, I just want you to think about some of the things I said today. And just allow the Holy Spirit to to softly speak to your heart. Maybe there's one or two that he wants you to make a decision on. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the beautiful gift that family is. And we pray, Lord, that we would honor you in our family we would honor you Lord we know that every good work and good thing comes from you Lord bring the increase and give us Lord an increase of faith to walk it out to walk out what you've called us to until you return Lord we celebrate giving you thanks for the body that was broken and the blood that was shed Until you return, Lord, may we remain faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, church.